athleticism at Cox. He can go on the number third. 200 centimetres. You can't do that. Perkins through a bit of traffic. The right foot, Nana. And it's just class. It bounces the way of Jones. This is extraordinary now. Picked up by Stringer. One-handed. Onto the right boot. Jake Stringer. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant, and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Uh, great night tonight. We've got Cal Toomey joining us as guest. Yep. What he doesn't know, you don't need to know. So um, we're going to make him more the uh, prominent highlight for tonight. So we're only yeah. going to do a very quick introduction, talk to our thoughts about the North Melbourne game. But uh, in reality, it wasn't. It was kind of like a you know, good win, great win. We did what we needed to do, basically. <laughs> yeah. So which, <coughs> excuse me, which should be commended in that we we. I know it's small wins, right? Small wins. We did what we should have done, right? And that's yeah. that's a good thing. It's a sign of a good club. It's the sign of um, a club that is professional. Get in, get the win, get out, and hopefully Caldwell's okay. Yeah. So the only really thing that you know that Truck highlighted after the game as as something of a concern really was the clearance work and the contest work. So. We, we had the unusual stat where we won the hitouts 41 to 26. The clearances, we lost 42 to 22. So we That's got. real bad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, right there and then, um, I, you have to give respect to Sheila and Parrish pretty quickly. Uh, because and, Col- and Coldwell. And after Coldwell a while, to yeah. a point, yeah. So, um, you know, Shield leading centre bounce clearances in the AFL and Parrish obviously was always. You kind of six to nine kind of clearances a game. Um, them just you know losing all those three in some ways. Uh, you saw the backup options went exactly, and they're our best three. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's, it's not like we've we've as far as cl- clear. If you're talking clearance and contest, they're probably the best three. So Who, who's the best a better midfielder? So oh Zach Merritt as in like oh sorry I, I stand correct I stand corrected as yes, that, I mean, you are right yes. yeah so I'm more talking contest and clearance work they're obviously. Yep. Three big plays for us. So you saw you saw the difference there. But now the good news is um, they didn't panic, and really the half back line controlled proceedings from there on. And and you know you can only go to one man, who's my favourite for the Crichton um, uh, is in Red Dog. So he's just having one of those it's insane. He got perfect. What is it? Super coach points or what? AFLPA points or whatever the hell he the got. AFL coaches yeah votes. Yeah. Literally got perfect. And it was. There was literally nothing he did wrong in that entire game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what do you have? 25 kicks and 24 hit the target. So he's done everything required, run the lines, taken um, big marks. He's he's just had an exemplary game. And, and you know, coming off a bruised uh, internal internal bruising, um, that's a fair effort. When Which is the, no joke. When his last game before that, he was best on ground and he had COVID all week. So he's done. He's a, he's doing his form's that good that nothing really can it's stop him at the moment. COVID can't stop him. Blood. Don't worry about blood. <laughs> just just come back and play the perfect game. Yeah, so, you know, uh, him and Heidi, you know, Heidi didn't have a perfect game, but they both were attacking uh, and, and both helped drive the ball. So when in other parts of the ground, sometimes were a little bit stagnant, but they were the ones that were kind of forcing and, 
uh, and and getting the ball moving. So uh, really, really impressive uh, halfback line. Uh, again, Zerk Thatcher, just an, another great game. <laughs> just was there was a moment where he um, uh, channeled the great man. The Dustin. Um, the Dustin, mate. Like when he was the, – the forward had beat him to the ball and it was down low – he was about to take the mark. The hands are just waiting for the ball to arrive. And then all of a sudden, the Inspector Gadget arm came around the corner and, and punched it perfectly. Didn't infringe the whole thing. Very impressive, Zerk. Yeah, he's he's having a – now it's getting a little bit like the Laverde breakout year of last year. Yeah. His form's that good. So, I mean – yeah, it's at the start of the year they signed him for two extra years, and I think a few people were like, "Oh, that's an interesting one." Yeah. Um, now it's a huge, great call. So it's it's um, you know to know you've got that at the club, uh, you know, even if it ends up being Zach Reed plays in a year or two, or you know, other guys are all healthy and he he may be in and out of the Zach side. Reed might be a forward. Yeah, he he's got a he's really really impressive. So it's. Uh, yeah, it, it all it all helps with uh, a quality of depth uh, that's that's coming into the club. So, Joe Menzies' first game, as by his own admission, I saw the uh, the video that the club brought out this afternoon. He said it was a touch nervous at first. You could tell, but, uh, yeah, and you know he probably you know when you consider his journey going from Tasmania to South Australia, and then suddenly out of nowhere in the mid season draft, hey, you're on an AFL list. And then not long after that, hey, you're on, you know, you're you're the sub and could play in a in a game. Um, yeah, I mean, he's his own admission on the video he goes, I've never played in front of a crowd like that. And that was the desert of North Melbourne. Um, that was what twenty five. Marvel, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. twenty odd thousand people. But uh, yeah, he was clearly nervous. But then once that nerve settled, he got a couple of touches. Mm. Then you start to see a really good player, uh, and he's had ten touches. <laughs> Ten touches in a Excuse very me. short amount of time. So and nailed that pass to Stewie uh, yeah. for the goal. That, all, um, all good things. That involvement is is key yeah. for me. Not whether or not he's kicked four goals in a quarter of footy or whatever it was, but um, just his involvement, like his ability to get the ball, be be involved in the play, link up chains, link and up like, chains, and, yeah. and and yeah, be involved. Get ten touches. Do what you like with it. Um, and yeah, look, I, I reckon. We've got one with Massimo. I think we know we've got one with Massimo. And someone like Jai can take all the time in the world to come along, mate. You've got plenty of time. Yeah, uh, interesting even selection, how they how they view that, because you, you may have Colwell injured uh, going out of the side. So whether that actually gives him a bit of a lifeline, but who knows. Um, Maybe. Zach Merritt, uh, really, really impressive game. And he's having, a, obviously, an exceptional five, six weeks. Yep. Um, uh, his stats were insane. Ten tackles, thirty-eight possessions. Um, I think he had something like eight or nine score involvements. Might have been ten score involvements. I think he had eight or nine clearances. It was just a, a really solid leaders game. Uh, so he's you that's know, his mo at the moment. Just yeah. a really like not so, thirty-eight touches isn't solid. Thirty-eight touches is elite, right? And it, he's just he's playing at that elite level regularly, um, week after week. Yeah, and I always like it when he, when I see a goal uh, next to next to the disposal. So yeah. if the, I always thought if some of our midfielders start to do that part of the game and, and get uh, a goal or two, uh, it makes them even uh, more dangerous. So uh, look, look, he was and really, really just, impressed. Just to, just to illustrate that, I'm just looking at the AFL stats. 
Merritt, 38 touches, uh, got 172. What does AF stand for? Uh, the stati- the stats on the on the left hand side as he looks at my phone, hundred and seventy two. It's like the player ranking or whatever the hell they get over. I thought it was like footy points or something, whatever the hell it is. Um, hundred and seventy two for Zach with thirty eight points and one hundred and twenty six with Jai Jai Simpkins with forty one touches. Yeah. Right, so that extra goal I reckon is a massive difference to the overall sort of player rating. Yeah, he was obviously yeah he obviously had a, he had a few more. Well, I mean he's ten score involvements. And, you know, they usually add on points mm. uh, for, yeah, so... That's the important He, he just had a, a much more impactful game. Um, D. Heppel again, mate. I thought the skipper played well. I mean... 92% efficiency. I, I think we've done it to death, the, the conversation about Hepps, and, you know, I saw the same complaints, and he must go, so I, I don't I don't ever know what I'm looking at anymore, but... No, I, I don't, because you, you, you're I scoring... Get, yeah, I get that he's slower, and I get that he's not the greatest kick in the world, but I think it's more efficient than people give him credit for. It's not. It's not turnover footy. It's ninety-two percent um, efficient, is what it is. So I, I don't. I don't get it. Um, uh, I, I think he's playing solid. I, I, I genuinely believe that next year, it, when he plays, and I think he will play next year. Yep. There may be some VFL games. So I'm not. I'm not losing sight of where I think the whole. No, he's not. A, he's not a kid is. anymore. He's no. not a kid anymore. He'll know that. We, we everybody knows that he's not a kid no more anymore. But let's let's not just let's not get rid of him too early, right? Yeah. Well, for me, it's just even just review the game as you see it. Like, don't don't they don't have a preconception of yeah. like, oh, I don't, he's got to go. Like that's why I think people, you know, when I tweeted how I thought he had a good game, everyone was like, "It's like no, well, that's he did have a good game, like he just did." <laughs> like I can't, you know, I can't not say it and not see it. Yeah. Um, people want their point of view to be validated, and when they see twenty eight touches next to his name, it's not buying into what they want. They they want the. I'm not sure why they just like the king is dead, long live the king. So they just want to buy heps because then. Menzi might get a game and always oh, new and we'll try Menzi or I, I, I don't get it. And I think, like you said, next week we won't talk about the whole negatives versus Heps. We're just going to celebrate his game, right? Because um, 28 touches, 92% efficiency, absolutely worth being picked in the top six players in the entire team, right? So Yeah, I, th- I had him in my – like I did a little, a little thing. I was like, I wonder how did I view the, view the game? And I had him about seventh. In most effective, so that's just personally me. Um, and I know you know, there's I had a we had a and I'll tell you this, Grant. So we had someone having a go at you this week, Ooh. saying Grant always says the efficiency stats that it means nothing, but it does mean something because it's I get the I get the part because we've said it before where Parrish has had 90% efficiency, but it was one meter handballs like 20 times. So I get. The narrative is not always about efficiency. Yeah, sometimes, I uh, sometimes too, yeah. a handball can hit the target, but it's a it's a handball not to advantage. So, I and I, I understand Haps has that kind of sometimes can put a guy under pressure a few times. But I still think if you go through that game again, just watch it again. There was a lot more positives and negatives. That's just my personal. Uh, that's not my personal belief. So, yep. Uh, Look, overall, I'm not going to go on too much because Cal Toomey is actually just literally about to join us. Mate, I would like to uh, address something that I found on the uh, podcast on the uh, podcast Facebook page. Yep. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, if he's listening, David Smith um, posted uh, on the uh, Facebook page. And if I go back, I can't actually go back and have a read of it. <coughs> oh, 
I'm really sorry, guys. I'm going to the doctor on Friday. Um, just as long as you don't have COVID. I don't, no, I don't have COVID. It's just the long... Anyway, um, does anyone think that the big red fire engine in the club has De Goey as a potential target? Bull in the mid... Bull in the midfield. And crafty around the big sticks. Now, I would like to just address the, the fact that I made a post on that um, particular page that does sum up my thoughts, but no, no, no way. Uh-uh, no, Mario Lopez, <laughs> no way is that bloke coming anywhere near our club. He is a massive liability. He's been proven. He's, he's, he's plays one good quarter every Shrove Tuesday. Eddie and Bucks covered for him. No way do we need a bloke that wants to get 800-plus with that liability coming to the club. Just in case anybody was uh, <laughs> misunder, like didn't quite understand my position on this subject, no excellent post though, uh, Dave Smith, but, <laughs> but no. no. <laughs> Just no. No, I don't. look, in reality too, you can talk it all you like, but it's either Collingwood or St Kilda really. It's like St Kilda's the one that They got the dough for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not – I don't even consider it, to be honest, in, in the back of my mind. But, yeah, it's, it's not – I don't think it's – you know, I, the idea of him, sure, but the uh, you, the package and what everything he involves, in, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think there's too many other players. I thought actually, you know, probably half the team didn't play – to their normal level, it was a bit of a it was a bit of an odd game. Jakey String obviously with five goals had a had again he, he's playing in cameos at the moment. So even in the, even within games, like he he kicked three straight away and then went totally missing for forty minutes and then came back and with yeah. a flurry again. And and at the end of the day, when you kick five, you probably you're probably third best on ground. So I, yeah. I, I'm wondering what at what point a bag of goals doesn't get you best on ground. <laughs> I know so. Um, but uh, I always feel like with Jakey, he's trying to work through um, a lack of form. So like, even in the first quarter, you, I don't know if anyone noticed, but he was, you know, just not one touching the ball. Like he was, it was, it was a few fumbles mm, and a few, yeah. Two, yeah. And it's just like he's just not, he's not at his peak level. But, if, it, but he's fighting he through it. And I wonder if he realizes that. Like he's a bit mm. nervous. You don't pick the package as being nervous, but I wonder if he's a little bit. He's, he's really yeah, yeah conscious yeah that's a good that's a good word conscious and really wanting to get hold of the ball maybe he's trying he spent it a little bit before he picked it up yeah I mean it's, it feels like to me it's just it's getting there but it's just working through some confidence and yeah. and getting back to the sort of second half Jakey that we saw last and they're year. allowing him to roam around the place and be at mid at um at midfield cont- uh, contests and hang around in the forward line and yeah ma- massively massive good game for from Jakey that's the package we love. So look, overall, um, yeah, eight goal win. You're never gonna, you, you can't not um, overly criticise an eight goal win. It's it's impressive. So it's it was a good result. We were really efficient moving the ball forward. Um, most it felt like most inside fifties almost were generating scores. So uh, it was really good. You know, Ryder kicked two, Jonesy kicked two, the package kicked five. Um, so you had a really good spread. Langford kicked two. So yep. you, it was a really good spread and options. So. Most for the most part, yeah, great tick. We turned up, we won the game. We, we move should, on. We yeah. should, I always said we should win this by at least five goals. We did, and that's great. Tick, yep. next. absolutely next. But so, and that's the other thing you can't get much praise. Like, you can 
when the when they're doing the review of the game with the players and stuff, they'll go, yeah, good, yep, well done, yep, bravo, yeah, moving on. No <laughs> one's going to get pats on the back for that game, right? No one's going to get any sort of. That was funny. It was a, the track was. In all seriousness, track after the game was a little annoyed, but I mean, he said, "Great that we found a way to win and win comfortably," but he did not like getting smashed cont- by contest. So I think he was a little bit of a statement to the backup guys, the the maybe the the Perkins and maybe Stringers and maybe a few other guys who were filling in for yep. Shield and that. Say, hey, all right, one game. I didn't like it, but that's so. Just be conscious of it. Lucky it was against the bottom side, right? So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, great win. But mostly great win. Move on. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Is that the end of stuff? <laughs> it was. Move on. <laughs> I thought you were halfway through a sentence there. Nope. Sorry. No, no, no. Look. So look, we'll we'll get. There's more important things to talk about. Cal absolutely a wealth of information. So let's get him on. We'll talk about uh, where Essendon's at, where the list is at, and and the upcoming draft. So. Uh, We'll see you after the break. Under God, we kill like the son of Sam. But if you feel like I feel about the son of man, we will overcome. So stand up. We shall not be moved except by a child with no socks and shoes. If you've got more to give, then you've got to prove. Put your hands up and I'll copy you. Stand up. We shall not be moved except by a woman dying from a loss of food. If you've got more to give, then you've got to prove. Put your hands up and I'll copy you. I said put your hands up and I'll copy you. Put your hands up. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, joining us uh, on the line is uh, a big f- uh, friend of the uh, of the pod. Um, it's Mr. Callum Toomey from the AFL.com.au website. Um, g'day, Cal. How are you doing? G'day, Grant. G'day, Scooter. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always good to have you on, mate. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, look, it's uh, we just discussed a little bit the North Melbourne game, but uh, I guess for for uh, I guess initial conversation, how you seeing the year so far? It's obviously it's there's a little bit of sameness as as a, a quiet first half and a and a better second half. But how how are you seeing the year so far for for the Bombers? Frustrating, yeah, frustrating on a, a number of fronts. It's obviously been a better six weeks and what are they, seven, last seven games, five and two, probably should have beaten Collingwood in the end, probably should have won their last five. So you, you take all that and say that they've rebounded and fixed up some things, but it, it still is a little bit mystifying how badly it got in the first half of the season. So it's it's hard to, well, they'll never resurrecting the year to the point of making the final. So that's one thing, but it's, a good thing that they finished how they have because uh, there has been some some players who will end the year better players than they started it, and that's a good thing. Um, but overall, I'd say it's been a frustrating and strange year. I mean, I, it, it's sort of hard to comprehend how they could have gone from where they were last year. I don't personally. I think I can't remember exactly where I had him on my sort of crystal ball ladder, etc. But I don't think I had him in the top eight. And no, I was didn't. always around I think I was always chatting to you as well, Scott, at one of the trainings. Like I, I thought that would probably be around that sort of seven to twelve range because I thought that'd be pretty log jam part of the ladder. I didn't think they'd play as poorly as they did for the first half of the season and be that inept defensively. Now clearly things have changed and they've corrected a fair bit of that. Some of that's personnel, some of it's program, some of it's um, structure and intensity and and probably coaching as well. So 
yeah, it's been an interesting year and they'll get to the end and, and unfortunately the, the drought will have continued, but um, there, there have been some, some good bonuses of late. Do, do you put any value on that? I, I've always felt for two or three years that there were some players at Essendon that probably played a little bit selfish and, and were not as team orientated as I would like. Uh, and I don't want to sound like it's still in shield because I'm going to link to the Sydney game. But do you think just the result of the Sydney game, from what I hear, that the club actually needed to have some very honest chats about where they are as a group? Uh, do you think that may in turn be a positive, even even with wasting pretty much the year for the start well, of the year? Well, seven weeks later, they played a pretty good brand, didn't they, and, and beat the Swans uh, at the G and that turned around their performance to some degree. I don't know if the Swans have lost the game since then, but they've been in pretty good touch since then as well. So the, the quality of sides that they've actually played and played reasonably well against in the past six weeks, maybe that adds to the frustration around yeah. the fact that everyone knew at the start of the season, this, this side should have been playing better than what it was. Now they were missing key players and I'm sure we'll get to the injuries that have struck Essendon this year again. Um, later in the show, I'm sure. But that getting some of those key players back, getting Stringer back to full fitness, Gary, Harry Jones back to full fitness, getting uh, Kyle Langford back mm-hmm. and available, um, getting some full years out of a couple of other guys who have had injury sort of setbacks in the past has been beneficial. But, yeah, I, can't, I just can't help but think that they, for whatever reason, um, in that first 10 weeks, the, the way that they were trying to play wasn't fitting. And... Essendon's been here before, implementing a, a, a style that didn't exactly match its personnel. Now, the style has matched the personnel a lot better over the last eight weeks. I think it's impossible to deny that. As for the Swans game, there's a lot in that too. Like, it was a big club event, wasn't it? Dyson Apple, mm-hmm. uh, his 200th game. It was his 30th birthday as well, wasn't it? Uh, they had a big sort of celebration planned for the post-game and it was the most poor performance of the season by some way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, embarrassing and they'll mocked and and all of the rest so yeah it's a little bit of a, a point in the ground that turn around from there and they have been better since then they've tried harder but i think as tim watson said it's a little bit um uh, if you're barracking for a footy team and, and the compliment is just they're trying hard i think that should be <laughs> the um should be the standard rather than the the something that you get a tap on the back for but i think that was a good point a few weeks ago that he made yeah, but uh, one question I've got for you, Cal, is that the, I don't think I've seen a, a bigger difference in playing styles and and overall performance in the Essendon side than we have in the first half of this year to the second half, right? So are you able to put a thumb on a general area or a more specific area like just game plan, truck tried to get a little tricky with the game plan or they tried some incredible new um, style of play or something like that that either the players weren't willing weren't bought into or did, or didn't have the ability to do because the the difference is just chalk and cheese they've got it appears to be a much more simple game plan so w- would you would you say it is the game plan that has then led to more confident players which has led to better performances? Well, something's changed, hasn't it? Clearly, look at the last. What are we talking? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out of the last 
seven weeks they've scored 95 or above six yeah, times. It's got to be. It's got to be the like, – what, what That doesn't happen by chance. Learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's – I think that's been the question mark as well. I, I, I recognise that they're playing a lot more attractive brand of footy. It's almost though they've always been able to play footy like this in my yeah, view. Yeah. But, uh, and this is not just a Ben Rutten situation. This is a James Hurd situation. It's a John Worsfold situation. Yeah. It's a Matthew Knight situation. As a footy club, um, for a long period of time now, this has been the Essendon way. Now, does this is this some sort of like systemic Marvel Stadium <laughs> sort of thing where it's the perfect brand for under the roof? Maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. But um, clearly that style suits them better. And maybe it's the, the type of players they recruit or the, the personalities that are in the group or sort of uh, uh, something that's throughout that time that's a constant. But... Uh, yeah, whether that's final sustainable, that hasn't been the way that Ben Rutten came into the club talking about how he wanted his team to play. I don't think he, he wanted his team to be scoring 100 to, to 85 or 90. And that, that's uh, my point. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, he, he came in with the defensive mindset, with the blue-collar workers, with all that sort of stuff, and it's just – and it's okay if that's the case. Like, if if halfway through the season somebody had an honest chat with Ben or he had an honest chat with himself and just said, okay, you tried something, it didn't work, um, and you you need to change things, and Cara and, and everybody's here to help you, and they did, and now it's reflecting onto the on the field. I think something definitely was simplified. Uh, I've got no doubt about that, that the messaging – from the players and the coaching, I think they've all sort of acknowledged. I think Zach Merritt said we probably tried to add a few more things to the game plan uh, too quickly and mm. it didn't quite resonate straight away. So, Do you think there's yeah. an element of, and this is my personal belief, as much as kind of we're moving the ball better, uh, my, my belief is that the midfield really got uh, probably a talking to. Uh, because it feel, feels like in that six to seven weeks, besides the North Melbourne game, they are contested footy uh, when you see our contested numbers to the opposition, you see our clearance numbers to the opposition, and Draper's form obviously helps with that as well. Um, it just felt like we ramped up um, in our contested work and, and maybe you can call it blue collar, but it felt like we just got tougher underneath the ball in, in contests and in centre bounces and, and stoppages. And I know this is a really simplistic view of looking at it, but is it just a, a possibility as well that the, the better players are all playing much better than they were in the first half of the season? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zach, Zach Merritt was missing for a month or so, whatever it was, mm. but I still think when he was playing as well, he wasn't at his the best that we all know how good he can be. His second half of the season has been terrific to the point where – He's probably going to be a, a bit of a show for the for the not rising star for the um, best and fairest come the end of the season, despite mm. missing some footy at the start of the year. Sam Draper, as you say, struggled in the first half of the season. Now his impact is every week consistent, um, team lifting. So that that's clearly made a difference. I think Jordan Ridley had a by his standards probably a, 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 an average first half of the season and, and has come on in leaps and bounds since then. So. And, and, and let's not forget, of course, Dylan Shield too. Yeah, I know he's the symbol of that Swans game, but since then, been outstanding too. So, yeah, maybe a simple way of looking at it, but the better players have started to play a lot better. And I know they're pretty central to how everything works after that. So mm. having them on song clearly makes a huge difference. And even just 
I mean, probably some Essendon fans have been pleading for this, but even just some flexibility in our tactics, you know, just introducing Jai Colwell as a run-with player, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just changing things up. And and Jai's done really, really well at it. And, and it felt like it's actually given him confidence because he's actually finding the ball more as well. Because So it's just you're starting to see, oh, okay, this guy was, what, pick 11. Now you can kind of like seeing it a little bit more about what he can do. Yeah, and I think we should all remember as well, like the last month or so, I know I actually played on the weekend, but it's been done without the three top 10 picks from 2020, which is a good sign as well. Um, I know he came back in on the weekend, but Cox has missed. Uh, Reid obviously had a, a taste of things then got pushed out, and we've seen Brandon and Zerk Thatcher come in and, and play that role. So I've liked that selection. They've come in and added some, um, I guess, more more meat and bones to that that defence as well, and he's and he's taken it upon himself. And, and of course, you know, they've managed to blood a couple of players in there as well and give some opportunities to D'Ambrosio. And we saw Menzi on the weekend too. We know how good Martin's been all year. So, look, there has been some contributors who've played pretty well across the season. And Guelphie's been, you know, career best form as well and had a really good year. Brilliant. I think you just get to the end the end of the season though and and you think, what could have been? Like, it, it's, it's half self-inflicted really in terms of um, – yeah, you got it right in the second half of the season, but it's still like it's another year in the book. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really difficult to, to to move on from that first half of the year because it's the second half has been so good. But you're right, I, I just keep casting my mind back to oh man, what what if that was from round three? Like what if it was from round two onwards and we'd we've been playing like this, we'd, the season would be well and truly on. So I know it's I, I keep saying to myself just look, we've we've learnt. Trucks learned, the players have learned. We won't be doing any sort of strange new um, tactics next year. And we can probably look forward to an improved team next year. But you're right, Kel, it's just another year in the book. Um, like the year before that and the year before that, unfortunately. Yeah, defensively, they've gotten better in this last little period. I, I still think the teams um, can play them on a break at yeah. certain parts of games. Yeah, they can. Um, and that's that's going to be the next step, isn't it? How, how do you, you break into that top six defense or seven for defence and manage to still score and play on your own terms? And, and that's that's a challenge that all developing teams have to take on. Some some I don't, and Eston's never hasn't really rebuilt in the last couple of years, has it? There's never really been a rebuild as such. Probably 2015 was as close as it got into 2016. Yeah, three top ten picks in the yeah. space of two years, but never really a full-blown rebuild. And uh, other clubs have sort of rebuilt through building up defensively, 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 and, and maybe not played as attackingly through that that sort of build, whereas Essendon has managed to keep that attacking strand. But, yeah, that, that's going to be the challenge. How does it progress as a, as a team and finals competitor when clearly attacking footy is in the DNA? Yeah. Just a quick query. I was I always wanted to ask you this. When you've got a guy like Ambrosio um, and to from afar, when you see the guy and his kicking action and you do go, how did this guy miss in the draft? Like, what am I missing? Is it just simply he played a different role? Uh, because you feel like, oh, as soon as I see that kick around the ground, I go, I just can't see a recruiter not going, oh, I've got to have that. Um, but no, he didn't, he, Yeah, he didn't have a super year last year. And it was it was COVID in, inflicted as well or affected. Mm. Sorry, so yeah, a few guys missed out last year as well that, that probably could have got, got opportunities and we're seeing them a little bit. He was the the it player, one of the it players at the 
the mid-season. Though. If Essendon had to take it, it was, a, it was a couple behind him, the Bombers that were, were well and truly ready to pounce. So he's been really good. He's been really good. And that's that's born of improvement too. Like he's always yeah. been a good kick, clearly, but there's other parts of his game that he's managed to improve this year. He's able to go up the ground a little bit more um, at NAB League level. He also stepped up for, and played some good VFL footy. So I guess it's one of those cases as well where at our recruiters would always love to see that some of those players take that next challenge that can pop up occasionally. In Does Victoria, they don't have the opportunity very often to do that. Is the industry, when you talk to the industry, are they recognising how how important the mid-season draft is when you've got Newcomb and Carmichael, Ambrosio, Durham, you know, Snelling? Is that, you know, used to be the pre-season draft or the, in some point, rookie, but is, is the mid-season draft now becoming... Uh, quite a big factor, or is it a big factor because of COVID that there's just some there's just some gold that got slipped through and without little visibility. So no, with, I think I don't think yeah no I get yeah it's I don't think it's COVID. I think it's it's going to be a factor now for for teams to really go and spend some time on, and that's why some clubs will leave a spot open at the end of this year just to make sure they do have a, a split spot available for them next year. Look, in the end, most clubs are able to open up a position through injury or retirement if they really want to use one and there's a player there to grab. But it's a benefit for a struggling team, isn't it? And look, Essendon were what? I, I actually can't remember. Were they pick Was Dan Brosio pick three? Three, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a bonus of being a poor team for the first half of the season, isn't it? And, and, <laughs> yeah, and that's where, Yeah, well, and that's, that's part of the equalisation of it all. It's an extra leak for a, a team that's poor. Um which hasn't existed previously. So that's that's where it should be part of the, the list strategy, definitely, yeah. particularly for teams who are battling. And then if you're a team that's actually quite good, then it's valuable to potentially plug a hole or add some backup in case you need it in September. Like, you know, Carlton pick up Sam Durden. You know, that, that was on the on the means of, well, geez, if we lose another one, key back, then you're in some strife. Uh, yeah. Mate, can I ask, where do you see James Stewart fitting in um, with Essendon moving forward? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that today. He was out of contract. He's a big unit. Every time I see him near the ball, he looks like a big unit, can take a mark. He's mobile. He's got a good kick. I just I wonder where we, we play because we played him down back and he kind of looked okay and I thought, well, there's his spot. He's the guy that takes the monsters. He takes the Ben Dixons of the yeah. worlds and, and um, uh, all of those guys. Um, he takes the big units and then we've been playing him in the forward line Charlie um, Dixon, sorry. Charlie, Ben. He was a very small <laughs> left footer from Hawthorne. Um, Charlie Dixon. Um, yeah, they takes the monsters. And now we're playing him in the forward line. And then he was sort of brought in to the forward line slash ruck or whatever he was in the game. So where do you, where do you see him fitting in? Do you see him fitting in? Well, I think they definitely should give him an extra year because I think, you know, yeah. in terms of versatility, either end, he's valuable on that. Fortunately, he gets hurt a lot. He does mm. miss a fair bit of footy, doesn't he? But uh, I'd... I haven't thought too much about what his position is in the best 22, which end of the ground. I mean, I'd like to see Zach Reed play, you know, 20 games next year yeah, and just same, find a way to play him. Same. And, you know, my, my view on these guys, I think the same about Nick Cox. You, you find a way to play, you go on tickets. So uh, not at the expense of either of those, but I think in terms of depth at either end of the ground, he, he's, he's valuable for them yeah. and, and, and should be kept on for that reason. Okay. Out of the youngsters, it's a good it's a good segue. Out of out of our youngsters, who do you think sticks out to you in your mind that we don't know how good they are yet? Kind of hasn't really shined yet. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. I think he's probably pretty popular out there already. But I think Perkins has got huge, huge upside in terms of how good he can be. I've watched him very, very close. I'm sure most most our supporters would. He's hard to miss when he's got the footy. But I think there's so much stuff that you don't see as much with his game. Like he keeps his feet all the time. He's tough as nails. Um, he lands tackles. He sticks those. He grabs marks that are really tough to grab. And we're only seeing bits and pieces of his midfield time. So I don't think he's ever going to be a, a 35er type of player. No, yeah, I don't but think so, yeah. I don't think it's not going to matter at all with the way he plays. So well, it's funny. I remember speaking to him through his draft year a lot, and we tracked him through his draft year for afl.com.au, which was interesting in 2020, which is, you know, a wipeout of a year. We, we entered that with grand ambitions to sort of every couple of months or every sort of three or four week catch up and talk about your season. In the end, he obviously didn't play any footy at all, but his hero is Paul Chapman. And there's a lot of... Yeah, I can see like, that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot okay. of chappy about how he plays. That's, that's how he used to have the chappy poster up on his walls and he loved Geelong and all that type of thing. So... He, uh, there's a bit of that um, about him, and I, I feel like we're only seeing bits and pieces of that. But I think his kick under pressure this year has improved a lot. His his conversions improved a lot as well from from year one to year two. So he's one that I think um, we'll we'll get to see a fair bit off. I'm liking what Zerk Thatcher's done. Obviously, um, Martin's been terrific, and I think we all know already how good he can be. So I think that those are the ones that have off the lot that, you know, maybe you haven't got as much exposure. And look, I think Hobbs has been pretty impressive too. Yeah. Hobbs isn't doing anything that I didn't think he'd be doing. And I don't think he ever will do anything that I don't think he can do, if that makes sense as well. Yeah. But everything that he does is, you know, football-alike. He's, he's, he's really smart with his hands. He's tough. He, he's been able to shift forward a couple of times this year and hit the scoreboard. And that's something that he was working on last year before the season got called off. So, yeah, I'm, I've been impressed with him and that, you know, hopefully it's it's, it's a weird one because I don't want him to get the Darcy Parish treatment that I banged on about for five years yeah, and have yeah. to play across half forward. But the, the midfield time that they've managed to give him in different spots over the last couple of months has been good because, yeah, I mean, midfield, full, full team midfield is still an interesting balance for, for the coaching panel. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it's opened up uh, a bit of added strength to his game too, even just learning a bit of Warcraft. Um, uh, I guess with Nick Cox, right, uh, Truck said uh, in a presser, I think uh, maybe like a during-the-week presser, that he probably envisaged him maybe now getting next year settled down to a, a, a key position type uh, role. Yeah. Would you – I have no idea if I – because uh, – Part of me says, well, you know, if it was Nick Cox's decision, you'd probably say half-back, give me half-back. Uh, now, you've got probably one of the premier half-backs as a 22-, 23-year-old already in your side and Ridley. So I'm trying to work out where the, does that actually sit with him? Like, what is his key position role? I'd like to see him as a third-tall forward if he's up for it. And I'm, I'm keen to see how much weight he puts on over summer. Like, he's his third pre-season, his second real one. Yep. Um you know, how much weight can he put on? How much is he using his time at the moment to build his upper body while he's been off his feet? Um, I'm sure he has been sort of focusing on that. I'd like to see him as that lead up, turn him around, go either foot and and be be the be the money kick. Be the guy who kicks it inside to Harry Jones or Peter Wright. Um, because we know how good his kicking is. It's a lead on both feet. So I'd like to see him hold down a role like that. And I think that his value for the team would be I think most players 
value is better forward than back. It's my rule of thumb <laughs> if you can do both. Yep. Um, I, I was hoping you were going to say that because, I mean, the, the up the field a little bit um, piece with Nick, I was – when Scotty said that what Trey told me what Chuck said about him playing forward, I, I don't see him as a key forward inside 50 taking grabs and stuff. I hope he's a very mobile high half forward who can run up and down a wing if he needs to or something like that because he's, his ability to take marks at 200 plus and his ability to kick and I saw him play some of his best footy when he was running around um, and – could put a turn of speed on somebody, some people at again at 200 centimetres. So I wouldn't like to see him just just that lead-up marking, turn around, kick the ball kind of guy. I hope he, hope he gets yeah. to roam around the field a bit as well. Well, I would think of that sort of Tom Lynch role from Adelaide. He was known as the connector. I know yeah, he's a different yeah. size and shape and all that, but that sort of medium forward. I know Nick Cox is just different in terms of how he's built clearly and, yeah. and what he's so good at. But that type of position, I don't think Eston has one of them at the moment um, who's who's at that sort of quality potentially that Cox has, has got in him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still very, very bullish on, on Cox being a really good player for the Bombers. Uh, one, one player that's uh, um, discussed about with fans is actually not on the list. He's uh, po- possibly available as an academy player, Anthony Mankara. Uh what do you know of him? Um, it, it feels like uh, he is very keen on Essendon. <laughs> well, he actually joined our Facebook site. <laughs> to yeah, we've, got, so, we've got him on our Facebook so, site, which so, is great. Yeah, yeah so he, he's obviously very pro Essendon. What's the chances, though? Because I think this is a very interesting situation Essendon has with the two Davies, Mankara, you know, possible trades, you know, how does that all fit in and work? And, and you know, so it, it's a very interesting strategic end of year Essendon's got. Well, first point on that is, and I always say this, is that don't worry about the points. The points can always be made up. So the points is uh, down the track. If you have to go into deficit, you can go into deficit. Okay, I didn't they, know that. You can go into deficit. You can go into deficit, you can pay it back, you, you can push back your first pick next year via points and what you have to make up. So points is a concern, but it's not a make or break thing and it's not going to be a make or break for the Davy situations or Mankara, particularly with Mankara because if he's eligible to go to Essendon, that's after pick 40 and those points are worth stuff all anyway. So you're not going to need too many points to match it. The real question of Mankara is does he get to pick 40? That's the question. Now, um Look, it's, it's more of a chance now than it was at the start of the year. And that's 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 via not playing much footy um, for various reasons. And look, he obviously spent some time training at the Bombers. I can't exactly remember when that, when that was. It might have been April or so. Um, I think he I think he actually was living with Anthony Baton and Woody for a few days as part of that as well across that time. Mm. But, yeah, he's 188 centimetres or so. He, he jumps well. He, he's quick. He kicks goals. He's pretty. I mean, he's very exciting. He got elevated to the NAB AFL Academy in May, I think that game was, and played down at Frankston. It was pretty quiet that day, but uh, huge ability. It's going to be touch and go, um, I think. I, I don't see him being a top 20 contender at the moment because of just the lack of sort of visibility other clubs would have had on him throughout this year. Now, whether he comes back and plays a game late in the year on a sort of more... Um, 
visible scale. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I don't think he's in that 20 bracket or so. And at the start of the year, he probably was around that 20 bracket or so. So yeah, I, I, with every week that you probably, he's not seen as much, um, in, you know, in that sort of under 18 championships and, and that type of level, then there's more of a chance of him getting through. But in saying that, it's not the strongest draft pool ever. So, uh, you know, there, there should be clubs or there will be clubs. Might take risks. Um, yep. Yeah, who will be looking at those guys and saying, well, you know, his talent level is extreme. We've seen what he can do in South Australia. He's spent time with an AFL club who are clearly interested. Interested. So, yeah, it's going to be – that will be fascinating. As for the Davies, I mean – Jaden would be high risk for another club to, to take a, a punt on, I think, given the two knee reconstructions. Yeah. I did see him. I was at the Xavier game on the weekend, actually, and he was kicking a ball around watching Alwyn. Alwyn was very quiet, actually, on the weekend, but um, I've seen Alwyn play some really good games. Alwyn's not going to be like Alwyn Senior. He's not that type of player um, mm. as a small forward. He's I've seen him play his better footy up the ground, actually, and through the midfield, and that's where and, and pushing forward. That's where he played his better games through the big metro, through the carnival, and also – for Oakley earlier in the year. Um, but I think Alwyn's, the bid for Alwyn probably comes somewhere between 15 and 25, I'd say. And then and Jaden would be down the pack a bit given the, the injury history. So from a points perspective, it's, it's not, that, too that's much not a factor. It's it's more just um, does Mankari get through to 40? Is it – would there ever be an expectation that Essendon could even pick – in their second round, second round pick, Mankara, if they believe he's well, he's around the mark, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's absolutely a possibility. If they think he's not going to get through to pick forty, and and if that's the type of player they don't, and I think we all would look at the list at the moment and see what's missing, and that's some actual real X-factor. speed and, yeah, yeah. and X factor yeah. inside forward fifty, isn't it? I mean, I think as I said before, I think Mac Welfie's done an awesome job uh, as as a small forward to really consolidate his career this year and he should get a new deal soon um, and I think he would deserve that. I, I think he'd be in the top 10 of the best and fairest this year given the it way he's performed yep. consistently. So, But I think there's room for him to play alongside a, a more um, cr- crumbing type of option as well uh, and Mankara's yep. got that ability but he can also go in the air. So yeah, if they think that that pick what it'll be, 25, 26-ish probably in the end after a couple of bids, um for the Brisbane boys. So I think that, yeah, if they want him, maybe you just grab him. Sorry, Scotty. With, when you add Mankara as a, as a crumbing or as a sort of small forward, you add Wanganine, you add the Davy boys. That's a lot of options that we've got. Is there a, is there room for all of those boys on the list? Yeah, there's room. I, I don't think you can have too many um, quality small forwards. Uh, and small forwards can change the way a team plays, can't they? Absolutely. Uh, as I said, I, I think... Mankara's height gives him flexibility to play in a, a number of different roles. And as is I said before, midfield minutes in there for him, do you reckon? Or? Um, there hasn't been as yet as much, but that's not to say there can't be. Um, and as for Davey, as I was saying, like he might end up being Wingman or okay. one of those type of yeah. link-up players mm. because he's not he's not at the he's not a full at the feet type of player like his dad was, who was so electric at ground level. He's probably more like his uncle was in terms of Aaron Davey a bit further up the ground um, got that left foot uh, sort of right foot but um, yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting I think there is room for him although that's for sure and, and Tex has been a good find too this year it's a bit of a shame that he got hurt 
Yeah, true. And it's funny, like I, I was even thinking on the weekend, like when you see Wright, Jones, and sometimes, you know, guys like Phillips or Draper come down, you go, this forward line's actually made for a small forward to be underneath these Absolutely. 200 centimetre players. Well, I mean, that's uh, we probably take for granted a little bit how much they missed Anthony McDonald's, even Woody, didn't, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it was on the cards for a fair while that he wasn't going to be playing, at least for the short term and the medium term. And then I think the reality set in of where it sat for him. But, yeah, it doesn't make it any easier to lose a guy who's played, what was it, like 120-odd games straight before then and been a constant goal kicker for them. So, yeah, his his absence was was pretty significant this year. You wrote an article, uh, I'm pretty sure it was last, last week, uh, and it was, it was kind of covering uh, a little bit of the status of our injuries and, and the – I guess the state of soft tissue injuries and the repeated, I would say repeated sometimes soft, soft tissue injuries. When you're talking about the club having a view, you would expect that has to be f- close to front and centre uh, about getting these guys actually on the park. Yeah. it's It's been an issue, hasn't it? It's not just this year. No. and It's not just this fitness team. It's been um, over a long period of time really, hasn't it? Um, I think anyone watching Essendon, closely would recognise that injuries have been a part of the story for a long period. And, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why or how, but, yeah, this year the, the repeated soft tissue has been a problem, no doubt. I mean, Shield goes down on the weekend. It was picked up at training, but did it happen in the game? I, I don't know. It's still a couple of weeks after him. Stringer had multiple issues first half of the season. Langford misses more than half a year with a hamstring injury. Snelling has repeated calves. Hurley's a little bit different, but still has had repeated calves um, since coming back to training. Parrish had the calf knock, then come back, then missed a month with the calf. I think Perkins Perkins has missed a calf um, with, a, with a month month of the calf. Um, I'm sure I've missed a couple of others, but yeah. I, I haven't I had an update um, on Caldwell yet too, because I think he, no, he, was, he had strapping yeah. around his calf, but I'm not sure what the yeah, update did, was. He did go and get the scan yesterday, I think, so... Um, and Stuart missed some time as well with soft tissue. So, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I would think that that would be um, a, a key part of what's happening here because I don't think any club is, is good enough to miss that many players through soft tissue injuries and, and still be a contender, let alone a club that hasn't been a contender yet. Um, so, yeah, I, you would think that that's – I mean, Paul Brush has spoke about reviewing every sort of element of the footy program, didn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, that coaching, he sort of mentioned the list management side of things. But you'd have to say that, you know, getting the team on the park um, would have to be pretty central to it as well, we think. Yeah, exactly. So um, I guess if you were looking at the draft and um, one, how is the draft looking as far as top end? Like at the moment we have picked, Six, I think. Um, I, I'm that probably go to seven with North Melbourne getting a uh, probably pick one uh, allocated pick. Um, no, 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 no. You don't no. think so? No, I don't think number one. No, no. I thought they would North actually get, get. I thought one. they'd actually have. Well, pick two. I thought they they might actually get. Um, oh no! Nah, I'd be I'd be gobsmacked if that happens. I I, I think the priority um, discussion would be more on a package rather than a top of the draft option, but. Yeah, remains to be seen, but I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. So if say we have pick six at the end of the year, or oh, doesn't really matter, six or seven, 
when you're looking at our list, who who kind of screams out to you? Because it, it seems very midfield-centric, the top 10, from what I'm seeing. But you've got a couple of possible forwards coming through. Yeah, I mean, I think if Aaron Cadman's there, you just draft him. Just draft him. He's 196 centimetres, um, country boy, left footer. I, he reminds me a lot of Harry Mackay at the same draft stage um, when he was coming through. I mean, Harry... Harry didn't blitz his draft season. I know he was picked 10 or 11 or whatever he was in 2015 in, in Darcy's year. But I think um, what we saw then is what we're seeing a little bit now of Aaron, Aaron Cadman playing for big country. He's been really good in the championships. Takes marks over here. He's got an athleticism too. Kicked five a couple of weeks ago for the Rebels in what was sort of the bag that he's been, you know, close to picking up over the, the past month or so. Um, I think he's got to be right in contention if he's available there. And, Adds to what is already on the list. She, is she, would Sheasel is he is just is he just going to be top four pick or five pick or? Yeah, I mean uh, he's another one that would. Uh, I'm a big Harry Sheasel fan, and, and I think he would add a real point of difference to what's already there in, in the goal kicking ranks too. Yeah, I mean there's not a game that goes by that he hasn't hit the scoreboard to some degree, and he's a little bit different. He can go into the midfield. He's had multiple thirty plus disposal games for Sandringham Dragons. There, so they could go that option, or do they want a different type of midfielder? Do they want someone who's a little bit different? I don't know if is Jai Clark, if he's at that point too good to pass up. It probably was the case with Ben Hobbs last year. They probably didn't go into the draft thinking they were going to get Ben Hobbs, but he was probably at that point too good in their eyes to pass up. Jai Clark's got some similarities there with him. Um, who else is in that group? Cam McKenzie is a bit taller, 186, 187 centimetres, plays some overhead footy and go forward and kick goal. He's, he's got some star factor about him. So yeah, I think he'd have to be in that conversation as well. But I, I think that Cadman would be a, a really good choice if he's available at that point. Now, I'm not sure if he definitely will be, to be fair, but um, there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him as the sort of prominent key forward in the, the top 10 pack. Are you, are you a believer that Essendon should draft someone or – or if there was a a very good player available trade, like a, I guess it's a bit of a is a depends who's on the a very good player. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Dusty yeah. Martin, yeah. That, but uh, yeah. So, but in general, what is your no? Views? In general, I th- I think yeah, take the pick, take yeah. the pick, yeah. Because I mean, if you look, you look at that. Uh, if it's a top ten pick, it will be a top ten pick. Then it, then over the course of three years, they've got five picks inside third eight. Like that, that's. That's a pretty good class, and if they manage to nail all, all five of them, that's a, that's a pretty good group of under twenties over a three year period. Um, and then you throw in Nick Martin as well, who's I know it's slightly older, but um, looks a long term player, doesn't he? So Absolutely. over over the course of you know a shorter period of picks, you can grab some good ones if you get them right. So I, I would I'm off the view that unless the player's perfect for what they need. I wouldn't be moving that pick. And on the subject of what we need, now that we've got some, we've got potentially Mankara and we've got the Davy boys and Wanganine, that sort of fills the the small um, athletic small forward sort of role. Where, where else do you think we need to concentrate on next? Because I must admit when we, when your friend and mine, Mr. Dodoro, um, got uh, Massimo down back, he's filled that small um, defender role. I reckon Kelly's been a revelation down there as well. So he's filled those two specific roles. But where do you think the focus should be for the club moving forward for maybe the next two years? 
Good question. I, I still think when they get beaten by the best teams, it's the bigger body midfielder who does a lot of damage. And we've seen that in big games at different stages. Who's that guy going to be and how many can you have? You And how do they complement already the midfielders in there? That's mm, that's a whole that's other question. discussion. Yeah. But I still think that you could have room if the right players available to, to beef up in that area. Um Small forward, I still if if the, if a if a ready to go small forward is there uh, and and a quality one, then I feel like that's a, a good option too. Yeah. Um, key forward, uh, and Peter Wright's been awesome this year. It's Absolutely awesome. When people say key forward to me. We got Harry Jones, Wrighty, um, Stringers down there kicking goals. Yeah, really? I mean, I'd like I'd, I'd like right, I'd like, and this is where Cox could come into it as well. But, I mean, they went for banking for a reason at the start of the year um, and they've had interest in some key backs as well across the, the season too. So, and, and Brayshaw was obviously on the, on the radar. Rankin's been on the radar. Small forward's been on the radar. So, I, I think you can probably tell the types of, of options they're looking for and feel like Just they the need. the names that are getting mentioned. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, thank you, mate. Uh uh, Brian, as always. So, um, really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, let's hope for uh, 2023 <laughs> that uh, that brings us consistent, uh, better times. Um, you're obviously uh, you'll probably be ramping up. Um, it's coming t- a bit more uh, towards draft. So, but the draft, I believe, is a bit of a later date this year. Yeah, slightly later. It's in very deep. Um deep November this year, which is okay, but uh, we'll get there. It's still, <laughs> what are we at? What are we at now? It's just under four months away. But Is that um, because of the AFLW timings? Yeah, AFLW draft, so, uh, sorry, AFLW grand final. So, okay, yeah, sort yeah. Of given, given that the, um, the the spotlight for that week instead of having the sort of the, the crossover of the draft, so the men's draft will be in the days following that. But, um, yeah, that'll all be happening. And obviously trade period will be pretty busy for us as well, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the last three weeks of the season from Essendon's perspective. There's there's a chance to uh, to win a few more games in there, isn't there? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be very yeah. interesting if, if, if say, if a Coldwell, Shield and Parish all don't get up this week. I, you know, I'd love to just say, you know, throw, throw, in, throw in Perkins, throw in Hobbs, just see how you go. Like, mm. Yeah. Know, see, see what see, – um, You're in there for see, the whole game? Yeah. Make it work. Give him a bit of a challenge. I, I like the idea of it personally. Well, we saw Hobbs in the last quarter against the Swans, wasn't it, where he went in and did some damage in there. And, yeah. And, Arch, and Arch has done a bit of stuff at different stages as well. But, yeah, I think there's – look, there's some bones of the group there. There's no doubt that that's been shown this year. I just um, – I think every, everyone looking at Essendon would hope that the end of the year doesn't mask the first half of the season in terms yeah. of how, of yeah. how uh, the, the off-season is approached. Yeah, I think that they also have got a little bit of pressure. Unfortunately, they've made a rod for their own back now. That okay, fine. We're perf- you didn't perform in the first half. You've got to finish out the season now too. Like you can't have a loss, sort of a couple of bad losses or something like that to finish off the season. You now all the all the pundits and the supporters and the like are really looking forward to some really good performances to end out the year. Even if it has to be that second half of the year again, then let's finish it out strong and move on to twenty three. Yep, that's yeah. it. I hear you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, Brian, as always, uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, welcomed on again very soon. Uh, maybe towards the pre-draft, we'll get you in a little nice and early when you actually have time. Yes. Um, but, yeah, 
thank you so much. Uh, all the best. Um, ben, myself and Grant will be on after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Uh, now, the great interview again um, from Cal Toomey, um, massive friend of the show, and we really appreciate the knowledge that he brings. Um, and Because, I mean, we, we've got a million questions for him that he could have gone on for another hour um, to, to ask him, but we've got to let the guy go. He, has, <laughs> he actually has have a job. So, um, Cal, and if you're, if you're listening, mate, we really appreciate you coming on, and I know the listeners do too. We get a lot of good feedback um, about you coming on, so thanks very much, mate. Yeah, so uh, just quickly before we go, uh, great win in the VFL, 29-point win. Uh, look, uh, pretty similar to the to the seniors, played North Melbourne. They were a little bit hit by COVID, so we should have. it's a game that we should have won, and we did win. Yep. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah, good game. <laughs> that, that's this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's, there's nothing much to it say about it. It was a pretty positive whole weekend. So. We, we won, end of story. Uh, yeah, so I think Vossi kicked a couple. Um I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to remember. You signed now. him again. Signed him for another what signed year him or another for a year? So yeah, nice so, work, Fossey. Um, yeah, we got we got some good signings. Phillips on is is remaining also. So a um, couple of good signings. A few to go. I think Guelphie's still unsigned. So okay, that's an interesting sign. That boy. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting sign. So yeah, um, look. That's it from us. Uh, short and sweet for remainder because it's it's been a long show with uh, a good forty odd minutes with Cal. So yep, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we wanted to sort of uh, change it up a bit and talk a little bit about the draft and the list and with Cal. So hopefully, hopefully, um, that's a bit of a bonus for you guys. So absolutely. Thanks everyone. Yes. Yep. Patreon show. Patreon.com forward slash lunchtime catch up. Um, Thursday for the team selection show. Exactly. Unless we're playing at Sunday again at bloody no, we're playing Saturday. We play Saturday two hey, o'clock. Saturday two o'clock, amazing. So, um, so Thursday Patreon team selection show. Um, get on there. We'll uh, we'll give you our reaction to all the team uh, the uh, the teams as they come out. And it's always nice with the when the Saturday game because the Thursday team show will be the team. Will be the team show. Absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about the actual show as opposed to going. Well, those two blokes aren't probably going to play. And then yeah. So um, first in our team selection show. Then as always, um, back to the uh, post game reaction show um, on the uh, Saturday night and then back into the main pod on the Monday. So um, thanks everybody for uh, for joining us in the pod. We hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Cal and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks guys. <laughs>